Welcome. Uh, my, my name's Chris. My name's Chris. I'm the student ministries pastor around these parts. And, and so when, when Brian gives me the stage during the summer, I kind of have a tendency to just throw out all of the rules, right? Like, for instance, I, I come up in a spray-painted tent, right? That's why I'll, I'll wear my baseball hat, right? And, and that might be a little bit tough, but you're going to have to get used to that. And, and then the other thing that I'm going to do today is I'm going to actually teach you how to wreck your life. Yeah, like, I, I don't mean, like, wreck your life for Jesus. I mean, I'm actually going to tell you how to wreck your life. And, and so it's going to get a little bit wild, and, and if you could, since, since Brian's not here this weekend, maybe just keep it between us, that would, that would be great. I'd appreciate that. Uh, and as we get going with that in mind, there's a few things you need to know about me. First thing you need to know, Wednesday was my birthday, and I'm accepting gifts through the end of the weekend, Okay. <laughs> Like, I think it's fair, I think it's fair to cut it off at the end of the weekend, so you guys still have time. Not a whole lot of time, but you still have time. Second thing you should know about me is that I'm occasionally, if not always, sarcastic. Like, I actually think of it as a gift. Others think of it as kind of annoying, right? Like, I'll take some spiritual gifts test or like a strength finder test, and sarcasm isn't on there, but for some reason it always shows up on mine, right? Like top of the list. And so the third thing you know, need to know about me is that I'm going to use that gift this weekend. All right. So I hope you can bear with me because what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to listen real closely during our time together, because this isn't some series we're starting. Like this is your one stop, one chance to come to Journey Church and learn how to wreck your life. It might also be my last chance to ever get to do this. So You're going to have to pay careful attention, all right? Because by the time we're all done here, you're going to have five can't-miss ways to wreck your life. Who wouldn't be excited about that, right? So so go ahead and get your your note-taking muscles stretched out or whatever you got to do. And let let me just tell you up front, uh, I'm actually able to teach us that this morning because uh, I've already succeeded in the past at wrecking my own life. Right, so so I'm, at, I'm at a place where I'm teaching from experience. I won't get to, to take you through all of that because we don't have that kind of time. Uh, but you'll get some pieces of that along the way. Uh, before we forget, before we begin, you should know that I'm indebted to a guy named Craig Groeschel. He's a pastor of a church in Oklahoma for, for much of the material behind this message and the brainchild of it, if you will. He's a very creative guy, and so I used a lot of, of his work in studying for this. All right, let's do this. I'm going to give you a question. I'm going to give you a question to think about. I don't want you like shouting out and raising your hands just yet. I just want you to think about it. All right, you're going to wrestle with this. Was there a time in your life that you were honestly closer to God than you are today? Right, so, so while you're thinking about that, no shouting it out or anything like that, I'm going to unpack that for us. Was there a time in your life that you were honestly closer to God than you are today? Right, for example, maybe there was a time in your past when you were, you were more passionate about the things of God than, than you are today. Like maybe, maybe you spent more time in God's word. You, you would wake up every morning and you'd be like, I can't wait to read it. You'd open it up, you'd read it, and you'd be like, God, that was just for me. 
that was just for me, right? Or, or, or you'd, you'd bust out of your car and you'd sprint down the aisle and you'd sit in the front row at church because you could not wait to hear what God might have for you. You wanted to be right where the action was, right? You had so much excitement. We don't have lots of excitement here today, but we also don't have very many front row seats. So I'll let you off the hook, all right? Or maybe back in the day, right, there, there, was, there was a time when you were excited, like God had done so much in your life that you were just chomping at the bit to share it with, with anybody you knew, your friends, your family. You were doing whatever you could. You were, you were praying like crazy. You, you did whatever it, it took to connect them with God. You, you were all about it. Or maybe back then, right, you, you, were, you were a person of prayer. You, you, were, you would always pray. And whenever, whenever you would pray, you would just feel so close to God. You could, you could hear him say things to you. He would, he would command you to do this or that, or he would say this to you, and you would, you would take that in, and you would, you would run with it. And then, somewhere along the way, that passion just stopped. Right? It, it halted. It died. And so I'm curious, again, how many of you would say, yeah, there was a time in your life that you were closer to God than you are today. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'm raising mine just so you know. Like, yeah, there, there's a bunch of people who are saying, yeah, I, w- I would say that there's a time in my life when I was closer to God than I am today. So let me tell you a story. Hope that's okay. Okay. They, there was a, see, so there was a couple, right? They had been married for like over 20 years, right? They'd been married for 20 years. And ever since they'd been together, this guy owned a pickup truck, right? I'm, I'm sure it was American-made. Everybody relax, right? And, and he had this pickup, right? And he'd sit behind the wheel and he'd throw his arm up on the armrest. He'd have his hand on the wheel. Is this right? Last night I did it like I was in Britain. Is this right? Yep, Okay. You don't even know what I'm talking about, right? So he has his hand on the wheel and his other arm up over the seats, right? And, and his honey, she'd snuggle up right next to him, right? And they'd drive down the road, listening to country radio, right? Having, having a good time. And then fast forward 20 years, right? He's still got a pickup truck, still driving with one hand on the wheel, one hand up on the back of the seats. And his wife, she's over there by the window, Right, and she's sitting by the window, and then she looks down at him, and she's like, "Honey, remember back then when when we used to sit right next to each other? I'd snuggle up next to you. What what happened to us?" Right, and he, he's driving, and he, he looks down at her, and he goes, "Well, all I can say is I didn't move." <laughs> right, and so so he says that. That's a that's a funny story, right? But it, but it actually, it has something serious to it as well, right? If there was another point in your life when you felt closer to God than you do today, God didn't move. God didn't move. And you see, the, the Apostle Paul, he had, he had the same, same fear and heartfelt concern uh, that, that I have. In, in 2 Corinthians eleven three, he says, But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Right, and so I'd say most likely what has happened to those of us who, who raised our hands 
is that, that somehow along the way our devotion, our pure and undivided devotion to, to, to Christ got corrupted. It got, it got it drifted without us even knowing it. Well, we didn't even know it, and all of a sudden we've drifted from God. Like, that's crazy to think about, that it could happen without us knowing it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at Matthew 13. All right, we're going to look at Matthew 13. We're going to camp out there for a little while. And in this section of the Bible, Jesus is telling a story, right? He called them parables. And this parable is known most famously as the parable of the sower, Right, but in the NLT, the version that I'm using today, it's called the parable of the farmer scattering seed. Right, a little bit straightforward. And, and so we kind of get that. And so the people that Jesus was talking to, in this instance, Jesus is sitting in a boat and he's teaching to people on the shore. Right, in this particular instance, as, he, as he's going to be talking about a farmer scattering seed, all of these people would know exactly what Jesus was talking about. Like they would totally get the picture of a farmer scattering seed. They were farmers that were sitting out there. They were sitting next to farmers. Their friends were farmers. Their neighbors were farmers. Their community was full of farmers. Like they, they would get that image, right? Maybe it would look like the, the, the guy with, with the bag slung over his shoulder, right? And, and he would walk along his property and he would, he would throw out seeds in hopes that, that one of those seeds, right, would land, and a good harvest would be, those are dill pickle sunflower seeds. You can eat them. Go ahead, it's fine. Right? Come on up after. Right, so you get the picture though. You can see it too, right? He's just going and he's throwing seeds and they would know exactly what he was talking about. And so here's the story Jesus told starting in Matthew 13, verse 3. It starts out, it says, he told many stories in the forms of parables such as this one. Now this is Jesus talking. He says, listen. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds, they fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And that's as much as Jesus told them. Right? And so you see, Jesus is saying that, that you and I are going to find ourselves in one of these four types of soil. It's like that you're going to see yourself in one of these four scenarios. But rather than having me unpack what Jesus was just trying to say in that parable, Jesus explains it for us like six verses later. So we're just going to let him do it. He's way smarter than me anyway. Right? And here's what he said. He starts out by explaining uh, the, the first type of soil. And in verse 19, Jesus says this, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted there in their hearts. And sadly to say, today that is some of you. I'm kind of like the farmer, right? And I'm scattering God's word. I'm throwing out God's word. And some of you are going to go, I just, I don't, I don't get it. 
I don't get it. I wish he had told more funny stories. I wish he had done those dance move thingies that he does. That would have been more fun than this. I, I just don't get it. And that seed is going to land along the path, right? And the, the bird is going to come and it will be snatched away. In other words, there won't be any spiritual change whatsoever. No spiritual transformation will happen in your life. You will leave here the exact same way you came in. That's tragic, but true. And there's a second group that Jesus talks about. And this too is likely to be some of us here today. This is what he said. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Right, and some of you, you've been like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after God. I'm going to do that. Right, and I don't know what it is maybe that you said. Maybe you said something like, I am going to get up early in the morning every day and I'm going to read the Bible. Right, or maybe you got really crazy and you're like, I'm only going to listen to Christian music in the car. And then we understand why you turned away. Right, and, and I don't know what it was that you were saying. That was a joke. That's right. Just relax, everybody. I know this is serious stuff, but, but in reality, what's going to happen, right? In reality, what's going to happen is that some problem will arise. Something will come up and a week later, you won't be any different than you are today, right? Perhaps maybe this is you in the past. Like you heard a message, you made a decision, you had an encounter with God, and then now weeks, months, years later, nothing in your life has actually changed, Maybe that describes you. Then Jesus talked about a third group. And my guess is that, that most of us will land here. Here's what Jesus says. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. Now this is probably the largest percentage of us Right, because you, you, you've heard it and you've understood it and you, you said, yeah, let, let's, let's do this. But then even without meaning to, life happened. Right, all of a sudden life happens. You, you, you go to school and you find out you got to study all the time if you're going to make good grades. And so God takes a back seat. Right, you get a new job and, and you want to get a raise. You want to get a promotion. You want to get more business. And so you work, work, work all hours of the day and God's set aside. Right, or maybe you, you buy a new house and you put in all this time for the yard and the repairs and it takes all this work. And the next thing you know, right, God's taken a back seat again. Right? Maybe you get married and you're like, this is going to be great. We're going we're to be a family. And then all of a sudden that gets a lot harder and busier than you thought it was going to be. And so God's put aside again. And then the next thing you know, like you get married and you pop a baby out. Right? And, and now you've got a baby and diapers and crying and a baby. Right? And so now you've got all of that time. And then the next thing you know, like God's, God's been put on the side. Right? And then that baby grows up. And now, now it's a, it's a, it's a kid that's involved in 15 different activities, like straight on its way to being a superstar. And you go, 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 go. And you, boom, you stop and you look around. And all of a sudden you realize that God is no longer a priority in your life anymore. He's not even around. 
Or as Jesus says, right, the lure of wealth gets you. You need the latest, greatest, whatever you need more. You need to have more. You pursue more. You want more. And you sell out to materialism, trying to to get more. You end up buying things you don't need to impress people that you don't even know. And the next thing you know, without meaning to, God's not even in the picture anymore. That, 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 That process has choked out all of the spiritual life that's trying to live inside of you all the while without you ever planning on it. And then there's a fourth group that Jesus talks about. And my deepest and sincere prayer is that that we all land in this group at some point. There's a fourth group. Jesus said this, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. And so when, when you first read that, maybe, maybe you're like me and you're kind of like, what's, what's the big deal with that? What's the big deal? Well, for the people that were listening to Jesus in, in that time, right, listening to him talking in the boat, like this would have resonated with them. They would have they heard him say that and they would have been like, Jesus, Bro, what? What did, you, what did you just say? Because for them, one seed, if it produced eight times what had been planted, that would have been phenomenal. Ten times? Unheard of. Right, and they just heard Jesus say 30, 60, or 100 times. Like, he was blowing their minds, literally. Right, he was saying to them, you can relieve, receive spiritually a 30-fold return. And they would have been like, then he said 60 fold return and they would have been no way. In a hundred fold return what spiritually has been planted, their heads would have exploded right there. That's why Jesus was in a boat. <laughs> right, and so the, the, the word of God, the word of God will, will fall on you. That's exactly what's gonna happen to some of you. The word of God is gonna fall on you today and you will be changed. Right, because essentially what God is saying is that he's going to do more in you spiritually than you could have ever imagined. You're living in this eight to ten times world. He's saying, no, a hundred times. A hundred times. And get this, not only will you be changed, but the work of the Holy Spirit in you will be so profound that those around you are going to see it, feel it, and experience it. Your family will be different. Your friends will be different. Your workplace will be different. Your community will be different. Your neighborhood will be different. Generations to come will be different because of the root that has taken place in your heart by God. Wow. But the sad thing about it is that's only going to be a small percentage of us. The rest of us will have good intentions as we drift from God. A few summers ago, I think it was three to be exact, and my wife Kate and I, we went to Maui for a friend's wedding. You don't have to feel bad for us, we made it work, right? And while we were there, we spent a lot of time playing in the ocean, right? We were surfing and splashing around in the waves, we were out in the water and that kind of thing. And then, then one time while we were out there in the, in the water playing without even knowing it, I, I turned and I look up 
and I can't see our friends and I can't see our things. But I'm like, without even knowing it, right, I, I, we had drifted far away and we couldn't even see where it was that we had started. Right, that current took us and we drifted all the while without even knowing it. And many of us, we don't know it, but we've drifted from God. We've drifted from God. Just like it says in Hebrews 2, 1. It says, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. And that's what we gotta be aware of today. And so, so here we go. We're gonna, we're gonna just cut to the chase, right? Because you're probably looking at your notes page and you're like, I still have five blanks and nothing in them, right? And if you're like me, you can't leave here without having filled in those blanks, right? Like sometimes if I don't get a blank filled in, I go home, right? And I start itching and I'm trying all these words. I got to email the church and be like, well, what was supposed to go in the blank? I promise you, we will fill in all of those blanks. You will leave here with your blanks filled in. And so that's what we're going to do right now. And I, and I just want you to know as we, as we embark on this journey of filling in our blanks, I, I'm about to get my sarcasm on, okay? So you just, you just got to know that up front. I'm going to get my sarcasm on. Be prepared for that. All right, here we go. All right, there's going to be some of you here today, right? You're going you're gonna to get so tired of God blessing you of God caring for you. You're gonna get so tired of his glory covering your life. You're gonna get so worn out on doing eternal things that make an eternal difference that you're gonna wake up one morning, you're gonna look in the mirror and you're gonna say, I just wanna be average. You're gonna say, I I just wanna do whatever I can to wreck my life and drift from God. And if that's you, if you're here today and that's you, Man, I got something special for you. I've got five easy ways to wreck your life. And I promise you, if you do these five things, if you pay careful attention to these, I promise you, you too can wreck your life and drift from God. Here we go. Number one, the first thing you do to wreck your life and drift from God is this. Neglect God. Neglect God. You got to neglect your time with God. David says in Psalm 63, 1, he says this. He says, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. No searching, no thirsting, no longing. Can't have that if you want to wreck your life. And so, so a good thing to do in order to, to neglect God and wreck your life is to make sure you don't read your Bible. Like, don't even pick it up. Better yet, store it in a drawer, out of sight, out of mind, you'll never get to it, right? Because the problem with God's word, right, is that it's living, it's active, it's, it's powerful, it will pierce you, right? God's word will renew your mind and it will build in you a foundation that cannot be shaken. Don't open his word, don't do it. Because remember, you want to wreck your life and drift from God. Another way to neglect God would be don't worship, Right? Don't, don't worship. Don't, don't come in here and sing. Don't, especially in Bozeman, don't you dare go outside and start looking at the mountains. Right? Like eye patches all the time. 
I'm telling you, right? You don't want to go out there and start worshiping it. If you're gonna, if you're gonna show up here on a weekend, right? If you've got to do that, could you at least show up late then, right? And then you don't have to worry about it. And, and please don't pray. Don't pray. Cause once you start praying, God starts moving on your behalf. Right? He, he starts answering your prayers. You, you start to see him doing these things and that strengthens your faith and that gets to a very dangerous point. It's almost impossible to wreck your life from that point because it really only leaves you wanting more. So neglect God, abuse him, ignore him, leave him on a shelf. And if you do decide that you actually do need God, right, just when you get to that point, pretend like you know best anyway. All right? It's the first thing you do, neglect God, neglect God. Second thing, the second way to drift from God and wreck your life, if you don't like your circumstances, blame God. Yeah, if you don't like your circumstances, blame God. Don't do something silly like Proverbs 3, 5 tells us, right? Like Proverbs 3, 5, a very stable go-to verse that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Don't do that. That's stupid. I mean, if you're going to trust God, could you just do it with little pieces at a time? And, and preferably not at all, obviously. And, and, and then please, as you're, as you're blaming God, could you, could you not take responsibility for your own actions? Don't do that, all right? If you want to wreck your life, you're going to get to this point where you think you know it all, and let me just tell you, I'm sure you do. Yep, I'm pretty, pretty sure you do. You know it all, right? And, and, and you know best because when you, when you don't get the things that you think you want or you deserve, right, you're gonna get angry at God and then you're gonna blame him. It's an easy way to drift from God. Number three, this one's good too. Number three says, hang around bad influences. Hang around bad influences. Now realize before I say anything else, we're not talking about witnessing to people or anything like that because we're trying to wreck our life. So th this is why we're hanging around bad influences. In 1 Corinthians 15.33, it says, bad company corrupts good character. Like that's exactly what we want. Right, don't hang around strong Christ-like influences right, because they can be so annoying. They're going to they're gonna do things like pray for you. They're going to they're gonna encourage you in the name of the Lord. Yeah, or they might do something so nasty. They might, they might speak blessings over your life. Puke, right? <laughs> Puke, man. All of that. And especially... Don't hang around people who love you enough to confront you when you're wrong, when you're messing up, when you're struggling, when you're straying. Because when you do that, like those people are so inconvenient. Right? They're trying to tell you that. And, and if you hang around people that are so bad, it's, it's really nice actually because you can get to this point where you hang around people that are so bad and you say, ah, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. It's all good. Right, and the good news is, the more you hang around bad influences, the more likely it is that they're going to bring you down too. Right, and to really top it off, right, this is good, to really top it off, date or marry someone who doesn't follow Jesus. That's right. 
It's not like, relax, I know, it's not like they have to be some raunchy, horrible person. Right? They could be someone who says they're a Christian, but lives their life as if Jesus does not even exist. Could be that person. So you've got to make hanging around bad influences a priority if you truly want to wreck your life and drift from God. Number four, this is a good one too. I say that, I think I've said that about every single one. It's because I wrote them and I think they're all great. And I actually think number four is one of the best and I have yet to figure out why I made it number four. But here it is. I encourage you as often as possible, give into temptation. Give in to temptation. Do whatever you want, whenever you want. James 1, 14 through 15 lays it out like this. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So first you give in to your own desires, and then you got sin, and then boom, death. Like, that's exactly what we want. That's an easy way to wreck your life, death, right? Done, just like that. Or here's what you do. Every time you're tempted, you say, I can't do anything through Christ who gives me strength. See the word change, right? You say that. Or, or you could say this, right? This is a good one too, right? You're, you're faced with the temptation and you say, I can't overcome this temptation. There's no way I can overcome this. It's just the way I am. It's just the way I am, right? But if you have to bring God into it, right? If you have to, if you get to that point, you're like, I gotta bring God into this, right? I recommend this. Pray for forgiveness, then just go back to doing what it is you did again. Create a vicious cycle, right? Forgiveness, do it again. Forgiveness, do it again. And it will, without a doubt, help you drift from God. If you start to feel guilty, just shrug it off. Say, I could be doing something worse anyway. This one's not a big deal. And if you have some free time and all this temptation giving into that you're doing, go ahead and just take a moment and compare yourself to someone who's doing something that you think is worse than what it is you're doing. And all the while, be sure to hold on to the truth that the more you give in to temptation, the more you disrupt any connection and communication you can have with God. The last one, number five. Like I said, this is a good one too. This one's important. Love this world more than you love God. Love this world more than you love God. And honestly, lots of us are probably already doing this. Right, but 1 John 2.15 says this. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. But if you want to wreck your life, that's just what you want. Right, I mean, all you have to do is fall in love with the temporary pleasures of this world. And then, then scripture, God says, right, he, he can't even live with inside of you. Because you, there's no place for him. You're too busy loving everything else. Too busy loving everything else. Simply lust after the pleasures of this world. Believe that all you need is a nicer car or a hotter girlfriend or some blingier bling, right? And then when you get that, you will be 
happy, love that, don't believe all the Bible mumbo jumbo that says you can't take those things to the grave, right? Because the guy with the most stuff at the end wins. Wins. So there you go. Like I said before, simply acquire things you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't even know. And I promise you, you will be able to wreck your life and drift from God. There you go. Five easy steps. They're pretty can't miss, really, when it comes to wrecking your life. But if all of that fails, if all those fail, like and you, you come back and you're like, Chris, I want my money back. I'm going to give you a bonus. You take this bonus with you. If all of that fails, all you have to do is fake it. Just fake it. Pretend on the outside that you are living the life that Jesus wants you to live, all the while inside knowing that your heart is dead, your heart is far from him. Learn all the right things to say. Learn all the right things to do. But never spend any time working on the heart inside of you. Talk the talk, but never figure out or take any action on how to walk the walk. Right now, we're going to have my friend Dylan come out. He's going to play a song for us. This song is called Zion in Babylon. And the first part of this song, the first part of this song talks about everything that we just talked about in terms of wrecking our life. Right, every, everything, when we think we're in control, where we think we know best, where God is absent from our lives. And then the second part's going to shift over. And that's going to talk about what it looks like to actually have God at the center of our lives. What that means to follow him. And so while Dylan's playing, the words will be up on the screens. Just listen and follow along. No, don't even try and sing. It's not going to be worth it. <laughs> right, and so here's Dylan. Consumption, dangerous dysfunction, disguised as expensive taste. I'm people disgraced by what I claim I need and what I want to waste. I take no account for nothing if it's not mine. It's a misappropriation of funds. Protect my 90% with my guns. Whose side am I on? Well, who's winning? My kingdom's built with the blood of slaves Orphans, widows, and homeless graves I sold their souls just to build my private mansion Some people say that my time is coming Kingdom come, is the justice running Down, down, down on me I'm a poor child I'm a lost son I refuse to give my love to anyone Fight for the truth and help the weaker ones. Cause I love my Babylon. I am a slave. I was never free. 
where I found you Say my name ain't yours and yours is not mine Mine is the Lord and yours is my child That's how it's always been Time to make a change, leave your home Give to the poor all that you own Lose your life so that you can find it First will be last when the true world comes Living like a humble fool to overcome It's upside down wisdom of a dying world Zion's not built with hands In this place gotta dwell with me Sick be healed and the crippled stand Sing hallelujah My kingdom's good Love my son Selfless sacrifice for everyone Faith, hope, love, harmony then let this world know me by your love, by your love. Oh, my child, daughters and sons, I've made you love to overcome. Free as a bird, flowers in the sun, on your way to Mount Zion. Oh. Yeah. So that, that last line, as that's God's call to you, if you can hear me, then follow my voice. And, and you might have been thinking up to, to that point, right? Like, Chris, man, you've been pretty hard on us today. Your sarcasm is grating on me. You might have been thinking that. And, and I just want you to know that, that the reality is I have been there. I've drifted from God. I, I've got to a place where, where I, I pretended like I had it all together. I looked good on the outside. I said all the right things. I did all the right things. But inside, my heart was far from God. Right? I, I did the thing where I talked to talk, but inside God was not alive in me. So I'm coming from that place, right? And, and here's what, what breaks my heart. Some of you here right now know that you've drifted from God or maybe you've ignored God and you don't even care. You've trained yourself so well to let the word of God and the power of his spirit just bounce right off of you. You'll walk out of here today completely unchanged. You'll walk out of here today the exact same way that you came in and today will end up being just another day of the hardening of your heart. Right, but then 
Then there's some of you here who you just can't wait for me to shut up so that you can talk to God and halt the drifting in your own life. And here's what I promise those of you who who want God back, or maybe you want God for the first time, is that God has not moved. He is ready and he's waiting for you to turn around, to make a change, to repent, and to come to him. Because God has not moved. His word says that if you seek him, you will find him. If you seek him, you will find him. And so that I, I think about that and, and I hope that maybe, maybe some of you had a really good meal this morning because you're, you're gonna leave here and you're gonna, be, you're gonna be fasting until you find God again and until you halt the drifting. Right? Or maybe I hope that you got a, a really good sleep last night because you're gonna be up all night with your face in the word, seeking God, praying to God and until you've righted your ship again. So you're back on the path again. Or maybe some of you, again, just want me to be quiet so that you can transact that business right now. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna give you a few moments to do that with God. We're gonna turn the lights down. You can put your stuff aside. You can close your eyes and find a posture of prayer and then spend a few moments now transacting your business that you need to transact with God wherever that means you're at. And I'll close us here in a few minutes. As you're spending that time right now with your, with your eyes closed and, you, and your heads bowed, I just, I just want to take a moment and talk to those of you who, who are maybe making this, this step, this decision for the first time or, or, a, or a brand new first time. And you're sitting there and you're praying and you're saying, God, I, I acknowledge that you sent your son, Jesus, to the cross for me. Please, God, forgive me. I'm, I'm tired of doing it on my own. And so today, you're saying to God, okay, God, I give you control of my life. I want to be the good soil. I want to follow you with everything that I have. You're saying today, God, I'll make you the boss of my life. And if if you're here today and that's you, I want you to know that that's the most important decision you will ever make in your life. Nothing carries more weight than that. And it's so important that, that around here we ask you to just share that with us by simply raising your hand and making eye contact with me and saying, yeah, that, that's, that's me today. And so if you would be so bold, if that's you, if you're crossing over that line, would you just slip up your hand and make eye contact with me? Yeah, God's changing you right now. We'll celebrate that. Yep, I see you. God's changing you right now as well. He's doing it right now, right there. He's doing that work in you. I see you in the back. Yep. Right there, God's, God's working in your life right now. Right there, I see you, I see you in the back over there. Right here, right here, I see you. Good job, God is, God is doing that work right now from this point forward. 
You will never be the same. Is there anybody else I wouldn't want to miss someone this morning? Yeah, right over there, I see you. God's doing that work right there too. Inside of you right this moment, you are being changed. Yep, right in the middle, I see you too. Brand new from this point forward, the old is gone and the new has come. God, I just thank you so much for who you are, that you would, you would love us enough to accept us back no matter where we've been, no matter what we've been through, that you're a God who loves us that much. I pray that you would take our lives and that, that the, the return would be 30, 60, or 100 times what's been spiritually planted in our hearts, God. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.